Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed. I am your host, Ruth McMullen. We are brought to you by Simple Rituals Skincare. They have incredible products. You should check them out, simplerituals.ca. Angela, as always, we love you. And I am thrilled to be able to introduce you to Angeline Price. Francis now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm so used to calling you Angeline Price. Well, I was Price for almost 20 years, or at least like 17, 18 years. Yeah. You met me as Price. I met you as Price, yeah. and that just stuck in it my just head. Just stuck in your head. But yeah. yeah, no, you're Angeline Francis. I am. I like that. Francis. Thanks. I kind of like it, too. Started out that way. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to start out, Francis. <clears throat> so, how are you? I'm Grace. I am Grace. Excellent. Yeah. Let's tell everybody how we met. How did we meet? Okay, so um, I'm a hairstylist, and I was doing Ruth's mother-in-law's hair before she was Ruth's mother-in-law. Yeah. And then when Ruth and Sean got married and then subsequently moved to Halifax, and she needed a stylist. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how we met. And I was actually thinking just the other day, how long has that been? It's been almost 11 years. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it was before the babies, and we were well acquainted before, before the babes before came along, the babies right? Came along. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. And we've done so much work together. We've done so much work together. Mm -hmm. those, those are some of the fondest memories I have, like, as far as, like, working on projects, like, creative projects and stuff. Yeah, we've done some cool, a couple of cool, really creative, well, three, I guess, really creative projects. Yeah. And Angeline is incredible. Like, oh, well, thank you. Yeah. We cleaned up in that one... Um, Our, my very first haircutting competition when we won. Yeah, won first place. One very first, place. first hair cutting competition. One first place. Yeah, that was awesome. That was amazing. That was, that was awesome. And we didn't win the second competition with the crazy hair, but yeah, it was bomb. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was awesome. And we got lots of compliments. We did, and you looked fantastic. Oh, as, thanks. As mother of earth, wind, and fire. I Right? <laughs> you totally did. Pregnant Thank you with so much. Little man. I know. I was like eight months pregnant. I know. That was, was awesome. so much fun. It was and so was fun. asked if I was actually pregnant. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> it was part of the. It's because you're perfect, Ruth, and you just get this tiny little, like, <laughs> perfect little baby body on you. Oh, thank you. I find that I get more of that body with the boys. Uh, when I was pregnant with Zoe, it was more of like an all over. My entire body got felt pregnant. fuller as opposed yeah. to the boys were just all. They were just like, yeah, really. I never had boys, so. Ah, well then. I don't know. Yeah. But you're perfect anyway. Thank you. And you know what? You help make me that way. Oh, I just get to like mildly, you know, play with the exterior aesthetic. <laughs> hey, you also, like, we talk about deep stuff. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. We usually have pretty intense conversations. <laughs> pretty intense conversations. <laughs> which is why it's perfect that you come here and talk to me on this podcast. Well, I think this is awesome. Like, remember I the first time I read Optimistically Depressed, I was like... That is the perfect name for you. That's the perfect name. Perfect. I've like perfect simply because I've watched an evolution with you, I feel. Because mm -hmm. I think before I think before your babies, mm -hmm. you maybe weren't as aware of some of your struggles. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. your babies, especially baby number two, 
he really sort of made you really aware. Yeah. Like, you know, the back end of baby number one, but I feel like baby number two is really where you were like, whoa, I have to take control of my life now. Right. Like, I really feel like that's where you're. But then you were always really positive. Like, you've always been really positive about the fact that I might sort of have these struggles, but I'm still going to live my best life. So I think optimistically depressed is perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. And if you guys could only see me, I'm like talking with my hands and I'm getting all teary talking to her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting teary too. <laughs> Good. Glad that I wore makeup. So, <laughs> so it can be down on her cheeks a little face. bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we met almost 11 years ago. And yeah. Angeline has been cutting and coloring and styling my hair ever since. Been photographing her. Oh, I'd forgotten about that project. Oh, yeah. Our very first photography work that we did together. I totally forgot about that. Oh, yeah. That's four major projects we've done together. That's, wow. Yeah. Right? We did the Contessa competition, the hair competition, the the crazy competition. And Mm -hmm. then you did that, helped me do that video for my other line of work. Yes. Right. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've done a lot of projects together. A lot of projects. And it's been, like, it's always been... Oh, you're perfect. You're perfect. No, it's you. See, we could argue about I put this. you in front of a camera. I'm like, Ruth, I want this look. And you're like, and there's the look. <laughs> always. I was like, always. Oh, thank you. You see it in all your social media work, too. Thank you. Like, do you take a bad photo? No. <laughs> well, I could show you a couple. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. So, um, so you were saying you grew up in Halifax. Yeah, I grew up in Halifax on the outskirts, sort of halfway between Halifax and Peggy's Cove. Mm-hmm. So White's Lake is where I grew up. How long did you live in that area for? So I lived there. My mom and dad tell me they moved there when I was about a year and a half. And then we moved. And then I lived in White's Lake till I was 15. And then we moved a little further into Prospect Bay. So another maybe five minute drive down the road. Yeah. When I was 15. And then when I was 19, I moved into the city on my own. When you were 19. When I was 19. What did you, what did you do? When I was 19? Yeah. I actually worked at Baskin Robbins making ice cream cakes and scooping ice cream in the day. And then I would work mostly through Christmas hours, like Christmas um, days, like weeks prior to at Tip Top Tailors at night. Seriously? Yeah. And then I put myself through hair school. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That's, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I was in the military before that. What? You were in the military? (laughs) Yeah. I was in the Naval Reserves from two or three years, I think. Mm -hmm. Why? (laughs) Why? Yeah. This is going to air for all people to hear, but I'll I'll tell you why. (laughs) It's a a tiny bit embarrassing. Oh, okay. So I was in, I want to say I was in grade 11, and a girlfriend of mine was like, come on, join the military reserves with me. And I was like, Really? (laughs) <laughs> really she looks at me she goes sweaty boys and I was like okay <laughs> <laughs> see I told you <laughs> yeah hormones were strong in high school <laughs> yeah so That's I mean amazing. I'm glad I did it in hindsight because it was really it was really quite interesting to be part of 
the military, even as a reservist, for a really short amount of time. Okay. We just need to see the training, even wearing the uniforms and polishing the boots and having that kind of discipline mm-hmm. at 16, 17 years old for a couple of years. And I was actually trained as a signalman, so I knew how to do all the Morse code and do all the flag work. And Wow. Yeah, it was really neat, but it was a lot of pressure. It was right. part of the reason why I left was I wanted them to remuster me, so put me into another trade. Because I, I just at, I feel like I was 18 at that time, maybe 19. I just found that it was a lot of pressure to be, I didn't want to be the one in charge of spelling something wrong. Right. To another ship and oh, yeah. causing something in big, like in my head. I was, it was just too much. Yeah. And they were like, but you're too good. Whoa. Excuse me. I was too good. And they wouldn't remaster me. So I was like, then I have to, I have to leave. Because I, I don't I don't want to do this trade. Wow. Yeah. So I'm glad I did it. Okay. It was really cool. Yeah. They paid you a lot of money. Whoa. Then, then, keep in mind, right. Ruth always thinks that I'm about 10 years younger than I actually am. I always forget how old <laughs> She right? always forgets how old I am. <laughs> um, so it was a long time ago. Like, like, yeah, like 20, almost 30 years ago now. That blows my mind. 29, right? 29, 39. Yeah. It's like, I'm 46. See, I always forget that. I know. You always think I'm like in your a 30s. good 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Good 10 years younger. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Good. <laughs> but yeah. So that would have been like 30 years ago or almost 30 years ago. So it was a lot of money at the time, but not wouldn't be so much money now. But for a first job, it was like, <laughs> that was fun. That's cool. And then so then you went to, uh, you put yourself through hair school. I put myself through hair school. I knew I took two years off after high school because I just, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I knew I needed to move out. I just, there was some conflict at home and I just, I knew I needed to move out. And um, so I took a year off. And then at my, as I was coming up to that, you know, going into my second year off after high school, I thought, I think I was making, oh my goodness, Maybe four seventy five an hour working. Yeah, maybe five seventy five an hour working at Baskin Robbins. What? And I knew I wanted more in my life. I knew I could survive working forty hours a week at four seventy five an hour. So I knew I had to do something. And I had applied to teaching college and got accepted. I'd applied to nursing and got accepted. I'd applied to I'm smart, so I had got accepted to all of these, but it was I had to pay for my own education. Mm. And it was just so daunting to think of a four-year university degree or... Right. So um, another friend of mine came to me and wasn't another friend. It might have been the same one that got me in the reserves and said, let's go to hair school. So it was in Bears Road Mall at the time and that's where I was working. So I thought, okay, I could go to hair school in the day and, you know, work at night kind of idea, which is kind of what I did. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, you know, I I don't see myself as a stylist. She says, 25 years later, nope, never saw myself, never saw myself as a hairstylist. That blows my mind. Nope. I saw myself as a teacher. Well, thank you. You're like, you are. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I saw myself as a teacher, as a nurse, people, people things, but I never saw myself as a hairstylist. So Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'll go. It was like (laughs) $3,100. It's 13 grand now. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So at $3,100, I was like, okay, well, I'll go. And at least I'll have a trade. 
Uh-huh. So I can either work in it or I'll, you know, I had always planned to get married and have kids. So then I can always do their hair. Right. And then I got into it and I love it. I, and I, it, it's not even that I loved doing hair. Mm-hmm. It's that I loved the people. I loved the, the ability to touch people physically, mentally, emotionally, to be able to be with people. And then the more I got into it, I don't do hair I do hair to make people feel good mm-hmm. because especially right now, I think we live in this world where we are really attached to uh, intangible things, you know, so we live on our phones. Yeah. So young people have conversations with their fingers. They don't have them with their mouths. And we don't, I don't think we live in a world where we touch a lot of people like physically and physical touch, I think, is powerful. So who touches you in the run of a day? If you have a husband, hopefully your husband does, or your wife. If you have kids, hopefully you're embracing your children. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're lucky, you have friends that you see that you hug at the end of the day. But if you think not everyone has that, so then who touches them? Huh. You can't even call Visa or call some, you know, business and get a person. 90% of the time, you're getting an automated, you're not even getting a voice. You're getting an automated sound. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. So who touches? So doctors touch us. Mm-hmm. No one's super excited to go in and have <laughs> the doctor touch you. <laughs> right. So, you know, physiotherapists touch us if we need it. Well, that's not always great touch, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, massage therapists. Mm-hmm. You know, all those medical professionals all touch us, but it's never in a way where we're allowed to go, okay, mm-hmm. here's my day. Right. Or, you know, like, and it's never to make us feel or look good, not even feel good. Because, you know, doctors make us feel, our internals feel good. and like, right. our, But it's no one makes you look good. Like when people come and sit in my chair, it's like, I'm going to tell you you're beautiful. Most people, I believe, are beautiful. But there's always mm-hmm. something. Like I always compliment them on something mm-hmm. because I don't think we even do that to people anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, I think even not even everyone holds doors and says thank you. And we do that here in Nova Scotia, but kind of leave Nova Scotia Mm. and you just sort of become another face. But what I love about doing hair is that I physically touch someone. Mm -hmm. I get to make them feel great. I get to change their look Mm -hmm. like that, which is super fun. Mm -hmm. And I also get to be that person who is totally detached from your regular life. Mm. So if you're having, ugh, yeah. then you can come in, basically release that to me, mm-hmm. and then move on. You know, so there's something cathartic and therapeutic, I hope, with what I do in my chair. That's mm-hmm. more my goal than, you know, making big money or, you know, like it's mm-hmm. really more about letting someone come in and just be themselves and just empty out themselves if they need to. I mean, you and I, how many times have you and I done that? Yeah, like, I couldn't count. Right? Yeah. And I tend to be, and I'm, I hope you can, um, or that you agree, I tend to be, I, I pride myself in trying not to judge people mm-hmm. so yeah. that you can, I want people to be able to come into my safe space in my chair and be able to speak to me and not feel like you're going to be judged for anything because I think people are absolutely fascinating. We all have a story. We've all come from something. Mm, yeah. And your pain and my pain are no different. It's just who's experienced it. 
you know, so your hurt is no different than my hurt. Your joy is no different than my joy. It's just mm. you've experienced it, right? Mm. And I think we all have stuff. We yeah. all have stuff that makes us weird or makes us different or yeah. that we want to kind of, but I don't, I want you to be able to come in and be like, so I, and not feel like, oh, I can't say that out loud. Right. Because there's not much you can say to me that is going to phase me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not much. That's amazing. So, yeah. Okay. And then, so you've, so I'm assuming that you must encounter people who are struggling with like mental illness. Everything. Everything. Like, everything. Everything. You everything. are like a therapist. I am. I'm like the cheapest therapy going and you get great hair. <laughs> I know. Like the cheapest therapist going. <laughs> it totally. But it also works the other way too. I get pretty good therapy from a lot of you guys too, right? So yeah, sometimes when I'm a little way. bit low, mm-hmm. you know, having someone come in who's like pumps me up and and sometimes I need to talk about stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. But I see a lot. I've And I think some of the hardest stuff I deal with, because I don't always, unless I really get to know like how I know you, mm-hmm. I don't always know that there's mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I probably see more like grief. I okay. feel like in what I do, I see more grief. Okay. Versus mental health. Yeah, I would say. Because, you know, like I, I have dealt with everything from my mom has just passed away to I've just had a miscarriage or, you know, mm. like I, do, I deal with a lot of that. Okay. Right? I do see mental health, but I don't know that not everyone is, I think there's still their stigma. Yeah. So everyone's not quite so open right to be able to speak mm-hmm. about some of their struggles that way yep whereas grief it's like so what's going on in your world right then you got the do you get so like have you gotten pretty used to talking with people about about them losing someone important losing to them? people yeah because yeah. yeah. that because it's funny because the um it seems like i've been talking about grief a bit more lately and it would be interesting to learn a bit of your of your point of view when it comes to talking with someone. Like what do you do? Or what do you how do? do you talk? What do you say? Because a lot of people like they don't know what to say when. Well, they... Well, I don't think there's. I think the first thing you have to understand, or I think that I understand, is there is no words. Hmm. There's nothing you could say to someone to make them feel better. So you have to stop. I think we want to try to make each other, like we want to make each other feel better. So we either say, oh yeah, that happened to me so that the person can say you relate, which is not really what they want, I don't think. Mm. Or you say, you know, or we say something, oh, well, they were old. Yeah, that's... They had a good life. Right. You know, and and yes, I'm not saying don't say that. Mm -hmm. But you have to sort of, you have to know your audience, right? So you have mm. to be, you know, I'm sorry, is what I say, mm. right? I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. Was it recent? And you can, and I watch body language and I watch their face and I pay attention to, because some people will say, thanks, and then you can tell they want to move on. They don't want to have the discussion. Okay. And then other people will say, well, oh, no, and they'll, they'll start the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So okay. then you can kind of. You have to feel who wants to talk. Some people want to tell you it all. Some people want to say, well, you know, it was my mom and she had cancer. And and then you can say, well, you know what? I'm very open to ask. I My mom has had cancer a few times. So 
I'm very open to ask, well, what kind of cancer? Cancer struck my family a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, uh, yeah, just sort of sensitive to it. But I'm not afraid to ask if they want to talk about it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think some people are like, I can't, like, don't ask anything. Just right. Yeah. be awkward, right? Yeah. And I don't ever want to be awkward. And the upside of what I do is I can always bring it back to their hair. Ah. Okay. Right. So if there's someone who you, you just know when you've been, I've been doing this for 25 years. So you just know, you start to learn the tells that people have if they want to talk about it or not. And I cry with my clients too. Wow. Well, you know, yeah. if someone's, you get teary. Yeah. You know, I've recently lost, myself lost, and I'll get a little bit, mm. two clients. Oh, wow. And that's really hard. It's really hard. But, you know. It is what it is. This year I've actually lost, like, 2000, well, probably since this time last year, I've probably lost five clients. Yeah. Wow. And some of them have been doing their hair for 20 years. But you start doing, you know, I've been in the same shop for 24 years, almost 25 years now. So if you started, if I started doing them 25 years ago and they were 60, they're 85. Yeah. You know, so there isn't that natural progression of life, right? So, but it is a hard part of what I do too is to suffer the grief myself. Yeah. Is because I love these people. Yeah. And chances are, like with you, so just to give you guys a little, so I do Ruth's mother in law's hair, mm-hmm. Ruth's mother in law's best friend's hair, and her husband's. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple of Ruth's brother in laws through the years, mm-hmm. Zoe's hair. Yeah your hair, the boy's hair, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and that's just the people that I know. Oh, and I, who did I do someone quite recently that you go to church with? Like, so there is that that kind of web of, you know, I get attached that way. Right, yeah. So it's not just, so it's not just my grief. It's their grief because I understand the loss in that web. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, that makes sense. <clears throat> wow, I that uh, never thought of the. I never thought of that. Yeah, there's a lot. There can be a lot because they come in and they're like, and if you see them regularly, you know, you and I see each other what once, at least once every four weeks almost. Because now that we're keeping your bangs longer, yeah. right? You have to have that trimmed up. So I mean, I see some of these people every four weeks. Right. Every four weeks for twenty years is a lot That's of a, a lot. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see my sister as much as I see you. Oh, yeah, right. right? Yeah. You don't see your so family don't see probably as much as, as you much see as me. See you. Yeah. Right. Right? Wow, yeah. So and you do get to know. Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, I, well, I was just going to say, I'm like, I, I look forward to seeing you. Oh, thanks. I look forward to seeing you, too. Oh, thanks. Lots of people make my day that way. And it's nice to have them in your chair. And yeah. As much as it's a business, it's a relationship. Because mm-hmm. I'm in the business of building relationships, really. Yeah. Not so much hair. Right. It's the business of building relationships. Yeah. Because, like, I know I know that, like, I would never even dream of going to another hairstylist. It's good because I'd hunt you down. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> maybe. 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 Well, <laughs> I hope to never find out. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, yeah, because it's just like, no. Oh, I couldn't. <laughs> like, no, only Angeline touches my hair. And there that's, like... That's how I feel about it. Well, thank you. Yeah. 
that is always my goal. <laughs> but, but it is like, and it's, it is because it, we're friends. I right. think that we're pretty close yeah. friends. Yeah. And I've, you've built a, a trust with, like, I trust you with my hair. Like how many times have I come in? Like every time I come in, I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you want to do? do? What do you want to do? Yeah. I want to keep it long. I want to keep it long. I was thinking of this. And it's really funny, actually, with with you and I, because I find you and I tend to be on, like, the same change track. Like, don't you, like, the last time when you were changing your bangs? Yes. I had just been to a class where I saw your bangs, and I was like, oh, my gosh, they would look so good on Ruth. (laughs) And then you came in and was like, so I was thinking that I'd like them a little longer on the sides. And I was like, I just saw a girl, and that's what I want to do to you. So I find we're a lot of yeah. times we're on the same we're on the same the sort of same wavelength with your sense of style. Yes. And that comes with time too, right? I mean, eleven years of time. Yeah. I get your ability to change or not change, because not everyone is good with change. Right. You're pretty good with change, seeing as you've had pink and blue and <laughs> undercut and Yeah. <laughs> and green and long and short. Yes. And crimped and, short, and yeah. purple and Yes. Remember that that was a great. That was a great one. That style. The pink and purple. Pink and, and purple. Was it green that one too? I think so. I think it was. The one was it blue? And then I think it was blue, and then it went to green. It kind of uh-huh. faded to green. Was that the competition, or was that the Contessas? Remember the Contessa one? You had that super. You were all cut out, and it was like. Yeah. Like peacocky. I think it was the Contessa. Contessa one. The fo- the photo shoot that we did. Yep. The photo yeah. One. Yep. That one went green. Was that the one? Because then we had the pink with all that blue, and I feel like that greened out too. But that went more gray. Did that go right. more gray? Yeah, I think so. It you looked have to, good. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah, it always like looked how, good. Yeah, that was crazy how that. Good. Yeah. Yeah, but you're stunning. If y'all haven't seen Ruth, stunning. Oh. Stunning. Thank you. You could put a burlap bag on, shave your head, you'd still be like one of the most beautiful people out there. Thank you. Mm. And so nice. they were told me when she when I competed with her which was like the last year we were allowed to use human beings. Now we use mannequins. Right. The judges after told me that her look alone, like had me 50% winning the competition before I started cutting. That's what the judges told me after. Oh my goodness. Yeah. When I met them after. That makes me just feel fantastic. Yeah. That's what they said. They were like, your model had you halfway there at 50% there. We didn't like before you even started your haircut. Whoa. Yeah, because you're perfect. We're the dynamic duo. We are. <laughs> Beauty and brains. <laughs> she has brains, too. <laughs> and you have beauty, too. Oh, well, like, I mean, you. like, you're gorgeous. Oh, well, and I always, like, mix up how old you are because you also look very young. Yeah, it's a lack of fine lines. Right. <laughs> yeah. Here's hoping. Yeah. Okay, so then um, you did mention before that it was that there were some stuff going... There was some stuff going on at home. Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, my dad and I never really saw eye to eye, and I was making some bad choices with a particular relationship that I was in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, my dad and I have uh, struggled for almost my entire life up until about a year ago. So, yeah, yeah, I was making some bad choices with a guy, and he really couldn't get his head around that, and he said some pretty mean things to me. And, uh, yeah, so when I graduated high school, I was like, I need to be... I was actually 16 the first time I said to my mom, I'm moving out. And she said, when you graduate high school and get a full-time job, you can move out. So that's exactly what I did. Because I knew I needed to to get out from underneath what I felt was probably a little oppression. Okay. Without My, my dad's a good guy. 
he's just, I don't think he was brought up to show a lot of love. Okay. To, you know, I think it's so important for parents to openly love their children. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't by him. And, and I don't want to paint him as, I wouldn't be who I am and I'm very proud and love who I am. So I wouldn't be that without where I come from. So I don't want to paint him in a, a, a terrible, I wasn't abused or hurt. I, he just came from an environment where he never understood how to be a loving parent. So he was the disciplinarian. He was, okay. you know, mm-hmm. so it just was, I just knew that I needed to get out from that. And I'm very different. Like my dad and I are really different. He's very kind of black and white and, <clears throat> and it tends to be more about him where I'm quite the opposite and I'm very loving and touching and open and you right. know and I try to be kind first and think of others first and yeah and he's not so much so I just think I created a lot between us right yeah okay and you've had like so you've had quite a few experiences with different kinds of relationships do you want to get into that <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to go here so I think she might be referring to my many relationships with men especially is that what you're talking about <laughs> like my <I> marriages <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So proud moments. So I'm about to be a divorcee for the second time at 46, which, you know, is super awesome and just not exactly how I saw my uh, my life ever. But yeah. here I am. And, you know, like I said, I like where I am and who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first husband was a lovely man. I met him when I was 21, just not just shy of 22. Mm-hmm. And I think, and again, not to, I'm not... I would not have said this in the moment, but I say this now in hindsight. I think what I went to look for was a man who was quite opposite from my father. Right. So I went to someone who was maybe not as confident and um, very loving, but um, maybe not as sort of big a personality as my father is. Mm -hmm. And so we had a couple of kids together and... I became more and more empowered. I don't know if that happened to you as becoming a mom, but becoming a mom for me really created this intense personal power in me. Yes. So I became more and more confident. And mm-hmm. and I, I have girls. I have two daughters. So I always wanted them to see a confident woman, a strong woman, a woman who could, you know, handle herself and handle her home, but yet is kind and loving. And so... Um, the more confident I got, I feel like the less confident he got. Okay. So when I was coming into my almost 40th year, I was really reevaluating that relationship because I was feeling quite lost. Hmm. Quite lost. Okay. And I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't what I needed. It wasn't what I wanted. And I tried to express that to him and we did some counseling. And But again, in hindsight, over even the last in six or seven years since he and I split up, mm-hmm. um, I think he was mentally not well. I think he was suffering from depression and I think he had some health issues. And so he was incredibly unhappy, mm-hmm. which then made our, you know, which I, and I was incredibly unhappy. Yeah. And he was... Uh, I don't know. He's a good guy. He's a good guy still. We probably have a better relationship now hmm. than we did in the last probably seven years of our marriage. Wow. 
Yeah. Okay. So we've come a long way. And he's much better. He's gotten some help. He's lost a bunch of weight. Like he's in a much better place in his life now too. Okay. And we just kind of grew apart. Like, like I never really understood that. You know, couples will say, well, we just grew apart. And I'm like, right. But we did. We did just kind of go apart. And then there was this emotional chasm between us that just never could get filled. And we could never figure it out. And I just couldn't. I, I was I was going to I was losing myself and I knew someone somewhere was going to show me attention and I was going to go towards that person. And it was not fair to him mm. to step out on our marriage. So instead of stepping out, I left okay. and, we, and we split. And it was actually we did a really great job of it. I know that's kind of like an odd statement, mm-hmm. but, you know, our daughters were 11 and 13 at the time. And it was really important to the two of us that we minimized the damage on them, okay. right? Yeah. So we didn't talk smack about each other, mm. not around the kids. We didn't, you know, like even when we initially split, he and I were the ones that moved in and out of the home. So okay. it was in January. So he would live with his parents for a week and I would live in the home. And then I would I lived with a girlfriend of mine and he would live in the home. And we did week on, week off so that the girls could get used to singles. Right. Okay. And then I eventually got my own place. And it's been good. It took us a long time to get where we are now, mm-hmm. but it was good. So then I found myself single at 40, <laughs> mm-hmm. having had two children, two C-sections, wow. a whole other body right. than I was at 21 when I met my first husband. And it was kind of daunting, but I'm pretty resilient. Yep. <laughs> so back out dating, I went again mm-hmm. and I had a lot of really cool experiences. I met a lot of really cool things. I learned some really cool things. Dudes are totally different than us. we are highly cynical of self and of each other yeah dudes don't care most men don't see that they see a pretty face some other feminine attributes and that's what they dig it doesn't have to be a size two it doesn't have you know like i thought oh i'm not thin and tight and 21 anymore like who's gonna like but that's not how they see the world so dating became kind of easy-ish okay like that yeah I I um I haven't heard that point of view before that's actually really yeah I think cool. yeah I think men don't they don't they don't see us which is kind of insane hey yeah they don't that's what I was taking aback so I had gained I don't know probably 70 pounds mm-hmm. maybe not that much but right. like I was definitely fuller mm-hmm. I nursed my two kids so you know gravity does things to our body and yep and I was really, but these guys didn't, I mean, not making it sound like I, you know, got naked in front of a bunch of men, but, you know, they didn't see a bigger woman like I felt like I was. Mm-hmm. They just saw me, mm-hmm. which was really cool. So it made me more confident. Okay. Yeah. So then I met my second husband, mm-hmm. currently becoming my ex-husband, mm-hmm. and he played hard on my brain cells (laughs) he presented himself as one person Mm -hmm. and uh and then became someone entirely different after we got married and he became very angry and um loud and unkind and he stopped talking to my kids and he became possessive and it just it made me question myself and my choices you know, like it really made me question 
my just me everything about everything about me and uh but that being said I kicked him out last just a little bit better than a year after we were married Mm -hmm. which was hard which is hard on a lot of levels because I didn't want to fail again but I also was not going to live this way like I wasn't going to live I wasn't going to allow myself to live with a man who made me anxious. I am not an anxious person. Mm-hmm. And I was having anxiety attacks with him. Wow. Yeah, he, uh, I just never knew who I was going to see. I never knew who, like if he picked me up after work, I never knew who was going to pick me up. I never knew, you know, like I would, if I, my, in my line of work, if I say I'm off at nine o'clock, it doesn't really mean I'm off at nine o'clock. It means that, Hopefully my last client is leaving by nine o'clock, but then I have to clean up and I, you know, so I really don't leave work most of the time until anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes, half an hour after closing. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And he would, that would make him angry. So I'd get in the car and he'd yell at me and, and I'd be like, this is my career, man. Like, like you can't, you can't do this to me you should be patient, you know? And I just would be like, if you love me the way you say you love me, then why don't your actions show me that you love me? Yeah. Like it it was nothing was lining up and I was becoming scared and anxious and I was drinking more than I should have been drinking because the only way I could kind of tolerate a life was to be just a little bit tipsy, you know, to be just a little bit, kind of altered so that I could kind of I was medicating really is what I was doing right like let's be real yeah I was medicating a really poor relationship and so I did everything I could think of I tried to talk to him in his language so you know in that I was trying to say things like I get joy from doing things for others and every time you flip out at me because I've done something for someone you you take that from me you know, you take my joy. I get great joy in doing things for others. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. But then he'd yell at me the next time that I did something for someone. You know, as easy as picking up my kid. Wow. Yeah, he might freak out at me. And I and I would, and I would do, you know, I, just everything I could think of. We went to counseling. Everything I could think of. And then finally I was like, I can't. I, I can't. I'm not going to live this life. Mm-hmm. You know, and... It, there was a little shame. I'm not going to lie. There was a little shame attached to, you know, it's not my proudest moment to say that I made this choice to marry this man. But to anyone out there who's listening to this, who's in a shit relationship and you are losing you, get out. Get out. Because as hard, because I get it, I see this all the time. I see women who are in happy relationships or men that are in unhappy relationships and they stay because they're so terrified of what's after. Yeah. So here's what's after happiness and peace mm-hmm. and all this stuff <laughs> that you think is important. So that fancy house, that pretty car, that that's all just stuff. That stuff doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. And you can accumulate more of that stuff if you pay attention to your financials, you know, but you, you are precious. So if you're somewhere and you're in a space that's unhappy with someone, you need to get gone. Because the freedom that you have on the other side of it, it took me, 
I want to say it took me probably three weeks to calm down after the night that he left. Wow. It probably took me three weeks to, and I was only in that for a year. So to anyone who's listening to this and you've been in that for longer, just, just make steps, figure it out, get, cause there's so much better. And when I left my first husband, I lived in a little crappy little cheap ass apartment (laughs) (laughs) oh it was it was great for what we needed it for the girls and I needed it for but it was like you could feel like the winter through the sockets on the wall you could feel that wind coming (laughs) through like it was a shitty little apartment but that led to where I am now you know Mm -hmm. but it but that gave me my power that yucky little space gave me my power Right. It gave me my power because I could do it. Right. It was a cheap little apartment and I needed it to be cheap because I needed financially to figure out what I could handle because my income just dropped by half. Right. So it was like, okay, let's, let's go to a cheap little space in a secure building. You know, like it, it wasn't, it was a nice little building. It just was a cheap little building. Right. (laughs) Right? But then a year later it was like, okay, I got this. I can handle this budget. I, my kids are good. You know, now I can move up to that next level, right? And now I live in this wonderful duplex, three-story duplex with my kids. I never thought, and I'll get really emotional now, I never thought I was going to be able to give my kids a house again. Because when I left their dad, he kept the house. And I never thought I'd be able to give them a house. And that was always important to me. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be in the country, or, but a house and their own bedrooms. And, and I could Right. Only a year later, I could give them in their house with their own bedrooms. And and it's like so this is what I mean. Like there's so much power behind getting out of something that's cruddy. And with my current ex, he. um, He turned into after I kicked him out, um, pretty much a stalker, I guess. He's haunted me literally ever since. And uh so now I'm paying a nice chunk of money to get a divorce, which I really don't need to get. But I think it's the only way he's going to understand that I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm broken from him, but not in a not in a way I'll never repair. You know, just in a way that I've had to face some very interesting things that have been left behind because I think every relationship you leave, be it a friendship or a love relationship, you have stuff that gets kind of left, right? That you don't even know until you meet the next person and then it starts to rear its head, right? So I've been left with some stuff, but there's been so much amazing things that have come out of this. Mm -hmm. I have some phenomenal friends that are near and dear to me that I don't know that I would have known how much I meant to them because they really came out to support me when I needed them the most. When all of this was all falling apart, Mm -hmm. they came out and just were there. They were just there. They didn't expect anything from me. They just were there. My girlfriend sat with me for six hours the next day and just sat with me, fed me breakfast, made me tea, (laughs) just sat with me because I was doing this ebb and flow of, okay, I'm good. Now I'm crying. Now I'm good. Now I'm crying. Now, you know, and I just had this whole day of, of like, 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was like my whole body was still in a vibration of, of that anxiety of living with him. Right. And so it was like I was like coming down. I, I don't, does that make sense? It, yeah. That, does that make sense to, to you? That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So I spent, right? And they just can't. And I just wouldn't have known. My girls and I are so much closer, so much closer because of this, because I think they understand that I will do anything for them now. Right, I will do anything to protect them from anyone. That's doesn't, amazing. Doesn't, so I like so much. Yeah, I'm getting more and more empowered. So he and I had this whole. This is how we're going to end our days together, right? Like this is our retirement plan. So now I'm, like, no, I'm still gonna do this. Hmm. I'm still gonna like. I'm gonna now plan my retirement. I'm gonna set goals for myself. So. I'll say this out loud and so you guys can all hold me accountable. So I'm hoping when I'm 50, within that 50th year, to be able to buy my own home. My own home. Mine. That I do. By myself. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, like, but that's my personal goal. You know, pay off a little bit of debt that I, I have left over from being in that relationship and then buy my own house. Right? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I'm setting myself up for retirement and to be able to live well in retirement That's you know awesome. yeah and, and I'm and I'm doing it just me right so now the next partner I want to find or I want someone who is of like mind mm. in the same place with me you know financially emotionally mentally yeah you know in the same looking forward like I'm so excited to be aging I know that's kind of a bizarre statement but with age comes so much wisdom and so much knowledge of what you don't know, which I think is really powerful. Mm. Like, I know totally what I don't know. I know what I know, but I also know that I don't know a lot of things where I think in my youth, I knew it all. <laughs> you know, chest puffed up and everything, right? I'm, I got this. Back it up. And now I'm like, uh, I don't know anything. Tell me. Teach me. Like, it's really exciting part of my life and I'm really excited and I'm really excited to watch my daughters who are now like 17 and almost 20 become the women that I'm beginning to see and I'm developing a, a you're always a mother mm. but I think we're developing a friendship that's a little different kind of a relationship and this last relationship with all the busting up and how hard it was especially that last sort of year and a half has opened so many lines of communication with with them you know mm -hmm. it's really opened up and and seen their gentleness to me you know my youngest had a little bit of a breakdown not too long ago because she's like I, I can't see you get hurt mom like I can't I can't handle you getting hurt again Aww. which I thought yeah which is wow. like which makes me so proud of her to be able to like express that to me and so angry at him that she has to ever feel that way right right yeah but you know, she and I can have those conversations. I have a super open relationship with my girls. <laughs> That's, I love that. Super open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alarming to some people who haven't met me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. I, I admire that. I hope to have Thanks. a really open relationship with my kids as well. I think it's super important, uh, especially today, mm. in today's world, where they can learn anything online yeah. You know, they can, they can, they can learn anything, you know, like when it comes to sexual things, they can go online and watch. Yeah. I didn't have that ability. 
you know, unless someone had a dirty magazine or a VHS or a beta machine with a movie, (laughs) like I couldn't access it on a phone. You know, I couldn't access stuff on a phone. I couldn't, I just think, I think as a parent, I think my mom could stick her head in the sand a little bit because it was a really limited what I could access or even get in trouble with, you know, right. I think our children, we don't, I I think it's, we don't have that ability. I think if you don't, I think in our world of sexuality being so fluid. Yeah. Genders being so fluid and everything, everything is just so much, you know, and, and so different. When I grew up, you know, really, I grew up in a really white school. I think there was one black kid, Hmm. you know, we never talked about, I didn't know what gay was. Like, I don't know. I mean, I was a high junior high or high school before, you know, and everyone was Christian. Right. Right. And they were mostly Catholic. Yeah. It wasn't even like an assortment of Christianity. You know, it was like, oh, pretty much everything was Catholic. I wasn't. I was like the like the heathen kid. <laughs> but they all were like, you know, and they all had it was just I grew up in a little community, in little community life. And it was great growing up, like mm-hmm. in that. But I don't think my children my children live in a global world. Wow. Yeah. Like our children live in a global world. And I just don't think that I have the right to not check in and not be present and not address everything that comes up. Mm. You know, when my daughter was in grade four, she said, so, so so-and-so in my class is bisexual. (laughs) Grade four. Grade four. Wow. I think I was 17 before I knew that bisexuality was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the same for me. Right. So she's, and I'm like, oh, and I thought, okay. Well, you've yeah. opened this window, then let's have a conversation. Yeah. So you just have to have those conversations at the level of the child. Right. Right. Yeah. So I said, okay, honey, so what does that mean? Well, she likes boys and girls. I thought, oh, okay. Mm. What do you mean likes them? You know, like, like, likes them. I'm like, like, she wants to kiss them. I was like, okay. She's like, cool. So where did you learn this? Oh, she told us. I was like, oh, okay. All right, that's cool. Everyone's different. Yeah. But it was to open, you know, uh, (laughs) you're in grade four. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're in grade four. How are you? But I just think we live in this global world, you know, and then there's transgender and how do you deal with that? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, the people that identify as they instead of he or she, I don't understand all of that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, but I need to be able to have those open conversations. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, the kids can access everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they can access my kids teach me things like and, you know, and I just think when they open up the conversation, then you have the conversation. Yeah. Because to, you know, it's it's, I don't think it's okay anymore to be like, oh, I I don't know. Or I'll ask me that later. Or I I just don't I think that allows them to go to the computer or to a friend or and I want to know what my kids know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, same as the whole cannabis conversations, like have the conversations, just have the conversations. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, to go into mental health, I think if we as parents can openly have those conversations. So if we're mentally not well, it's okay to say to your kids. Yeah. You know what? This is who I am. Yeah. 
you know? I, yeah, I totally So agree. that if anything, if they are ever feeling that way in their lives, that they have you as that safe haven to go, mom, dad, this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. You know, because if we could save one person, one small child from taking their life, then what more is there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we could save one single person from thinking this is the end of my life because I can't reach out to anyone just by having this open conversation. Like this is one of the reasons I think this is fabulous that you're doing this because you're taking away any of the unsafeness of talking about feeling mentally unwell. Mm. Right. So you can have, I just think the more open we are and more accepting of everyone is different and we are all perfectly flawed. Hmm. I like that. You know, we are all perfectly flawed. Mm. One of my most favorite, um, I'm a spiritual person versus religious person. And I've struggled with the whole religion thing. You and I have had many a conversation, mm -hmm. but one of my most favorite songs that I, that I've heard is called broken and beautiful. And it really is. We are all broken and we are all beautiful. We are all just broken in a little bit of different ways. Mm. But if you have this safe place to go and be broken, then you're not really broken. Right? You're just beautiful. Whoa. Okay, yeah, you just blew my mind. Right? Yeah, that totally... Because you're not really broken. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You're just beautiful. I... Yes. I totally agree. Yeah, but I think we tend to think, well, I'm like, I'm broken. And I think, too, I think when we think broken, we think not fixable. Mm. You know, I said earlier, I'm broken from this relationship. But I am far from unfixable. Right. You know, I think it just... You have to allow yourself time... And it's okay to take time, right? So going back to even grief, no one can tell you when you can stop grieving. I don't think you ever stop grieving for someone you love. I think you just create this new normal where maybe on their fifth anniversary of their passing, maybe you don't think of them until five o'clock in the afternoon. Well, you know what? Small victory, mm. you know, and it's okay. And no one can tell you don't. I lost a baby. At 13 weeks pregnant. And I always, on the, the due date of that baby, will always think of that baby. Mm -hmm. But it's at now, so I'm looking at, so that it was just a few days ago, was that would have been March 3rd, would have been, I think it was him, I don't know, because I was so early on, but would have been his birthday. Mm -hmm. But without him, I wouldn't have my girls. Like, without that loss, I wouldn't have my daughters. How profoundly damaged would he have been hmm. if he couldn't make it 13 weeks? Right. You know, and what lesson did that teach me? So I'm a big take lessons out of the hard stuff in life. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to live with my glass half full, mm -hmm. not half empty. Mm -hmm. I literally have sunglasses that have pink lenses. <laughs> like, you know, the song Rose Colored Glasses. Yeah. Because that's how I want to see the world. I love that. Yeah, like you... I, I really try hard to see the good in a situation versus a bad. Yeah. Right? You, so... Yeah, you can definitely tell that by... I, tr I try really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I try yeah. really hard because I think one of the lessons I've learned in my life is you don't know where that other person is. You don't know where they are in their brain. You don't know where they are in their lives. So, you, you know, the person that cuts you off you know, driving down the road, are, are they doing that because they just found out that their mother is ill? You know, they might right. not just be jerks. 
Oh, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Maybe they just found out that something horrible is happening and they're horribly distracted. Maybe they just found out they have cancer and they're horribly distracted, you know? So if a client doesn't show up, lots of people will get angry. Lots of stylists will get angry because they're being stood up. And I really have tried to take the, I hope everything's okay. You know, as mm. opposed to me getting angry. Because I also think anger gives you nothing. Hmm. But yuck. And it's hard to get out of that yuck. But I'd rather think, so if you didn't show up, it would be me calling you, are you okay? Hmm. You know, hmm. FYI, Ruth can be chronically just a little bit late. Yes, Although she's been true. really good lately. I really, really, been. really good lately. Thank you were even much. like early. I know, right? So Last impressive. Done. So impressive. Thank you so much. So impressive. Thank you. Thank you. And three small children can make you like run late. <laughs> I <laughs> totally get happen. it. But you were super early. I was super impressive. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, I think we need to stop thinking about ourselves, like how that has affected me and think about why is that person, you know, we could take two minutes and really think... Okay, take that deep breath and that anger that that person didn't just show up or they just cut you off or they're mm -hmm. taking too long in the line or whatever. You know, all those little situations that we pop into and it seems really easy to go dark. Yeah. Stop. Mm -hmm. And go light. And FYI, we're still here on this planet. And I think every day that you get to open your eyes again is a day you should be grateful that you're on this planet. And then the rest of it's all just gravy. So smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just smile, just smile and like try to pick out the good things. Cause I think even at my lowest, it's like, okay, how can I see the good? Cause mm -hmm. I think if you spend too much time seeing the dark, you just live there. Right. Why? What mm -hmm. does that do at the end of days? What does that do? What does that rob you of if all you do is see that negative? And I know a lot of people, that's what happens in your brain is that, it's that darkness, right? It's easier to see the bad. Yeah. Your brain wants to. So then you have to start that little voice. You know, for all of you out there, like, I don't have a little voice. That's the little voice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You yeah. just, if anyone's listening, they're like, I don't have a little voice. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's that little voice that just said that. <laughs> you know, it totally is, That's right? Totally, it yeah, totally is you, that little voice, right? Yeah. So, you know, that little voice that feeds you that negativity, you need to acknowledge it and be like, I'm not allowing it. No, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. So whether that's through thinking grateful thoughts, I think gratitude is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's hard to be dark when you're grateful. That's It's very hard to be dark when you're grateful. And you don't have to be grateful for huge things. You can be grateful that you were able to stand. Yeah. My personal community has suffered a huge loss yeah. this last couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm grateful that I have children. Yeah. I am grateful that I get to open my eyes, yeah. you know. And I'm having lost those clients, you know, I'm grateful that I'm at the age that I am. Mm. And that I'm healthy. And I'm far from perfect, but I am healthy and I yeah. am happy. And I get another day. Yeah. Because you just don't know. And, that, and we don't know. We don't know when tomorrow. Yeah. We we the, the only thing that is promised to you is this moment right now. That's it. That's the only thing that's promised to you. The only thing we can ever control is the moment that we live in right now. What we say, what we do, what we think, what we listen to is only in that moment right now. Yesterday's moments are gone. The moments five seconds ago are gone. And what is yet to come is yet to come. So live here and in this moment because it's all you have. Right? 
Ruth is looking at me with big eyes, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> she had no idea I was so wise. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> right? We only yeah, have this moment. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Right? This yeah. is it. We live in this moment. And people, I think, we, and I'm, <laughs> I am not standing on any pedestal because I'm the planner. So I can live really easily in those moments out there. Right. Because I love plan. I like, that is how I roll. But to try and live right now and be grateful for right now. Be grateful for sitting in this space, talking to you right now. Right. And then whatever happens beyond this, then be grateful for that. Like, it, it's not easy for anyone and I think when, and I think we're all mentally not well to a certain degree, whether we need to be fixed because our chemicals are not, you know, all working together, which I think is the other thing is that people that have mental health issues who need to be on meds, me, yes, need to be okay with the fact that it's really not about you. It's about how you are put together, which had nothing to do with you. It's how you're put together. It's how you were made. It has nothing to do with the person. Do you know what? Does that make sense? Yeah. It has to do with your chemical work, which you cannot control. So, I mean, would you say, so for everyone out there, because I did read what we wrote earlier this week about thinking that you're better with or without your meds. Yeah. So would you say to a diabetic, you don't need that. You don't need insulin. No, you would never say that to a diabetic. So why, if it's about mental health, do we say that to ourselves? Because how is that different? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely it's not, right. Yeah, right? It's, not, it's different. not different. But I think society has said to us that it is different. Yeah. But it's not. Because that person is diabetic. So diabetes is one of those things that I know we can do to ourselves. Right. But a child who is diabetic at four didn't do that to themselves. That is how they are put together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That is how they are put together. So you wouldn't say to that child's mother, don't give her insulin. So why we think if we need some, you know, some anti-anxiety, anti-depression, whatever meds to help our mental health. Because chemically... We aren't working well. Mm -hmm. We should still take our meds. It's the same thing, I think. Yeah. I think that, like, yeah, like, I agree. Right. Like, I I agree. I still, and then, and then I have days like yesterday when I was feeling just, like, so bad about myself because I was like, why do I still need to be on meds? <laughs> but it's how but. you are put together. And I think the fact that, I think it's braver that you go and you get on meds. And brave that you do this, that you allow the world to know that you take meds to help you, you know, mentally cope with what's going on. And I think you mentally cope looking on inside, looking, you know, on the outside, looking into you. I think you mentally cope really well. Thank you. And I think when you're medically being helped, I think you're clearer. Huh. I feel like you're clearer with how you're how you are oh. 
right? Because there's no, you're not fighting. I think your head's probably not fighting itself. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That little voice is fighting the other little voice. Yeah. Right. So if you're not fighting, then you're clearer to go, which makes you a more powerful creature, more powerful human. Right. I think. Thank you. You are a powerful, a powerful spirit. You have been ever since I met you. I knew you were special. We're all special, but I think you're, you're at the right age and stage. And I, I just think that, I just think your message of you could still have it all, you know, you really have it all. Like when you look at the quintessential, I don't want to say perfect because we're all perfectly imperfect, but Mm -hmm. you know, when you think if you have a beautiful relationship with your husband, you do. I mean, I've seen you two together. I've talked to him. Like, you have a beautiful relationship. For being in a relationship that started really young, yeah. you have this beautiful relationship with your husband. You have three lovely children. You know, you have a lovely home. You really, looking in, you have it all. And yet still you suffer with, you know, which I think is that optimi- optimistically depressed, right? Is that you can still, you can have the whole world by the tail and still feel inside that something's not right yeah right so if you take your meds because it's about a chemical thing happening then things are better right yeah right so i think that we just to take the stigma away from the fact that it's not about you it's about how your body actually functions yes right right yeah it's about how your body's functioning and your body needs this to make it better, to make it function at its highest level, to make it function the best that it can. So that's all you're doing. You're just allowing your body to function the best it can. It just happens to be the part between your ears that you're helping. Right. Yeah. Right? Not your pancreas or your stomach if you have acid reflux or, right? And that all seems more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're... Which is so weird. It is weird. And maybe it's because we know not a lot about our brains. Yeah. Literally. Right. Yeah. You know, we don't know a lot about the chemicals and how they work. And we are just amazing machines. Every machine needs a little oil. I like that. Maybe yeah. your oil is that. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Maybe that's what your oil is, is that it's, you need your, your meds. Yeah. Right? And lots of people out there. And I think... More and more and more because we live in this, like, society of, like, everyone's always so busy, we're always so busy, we're always so busy, we're always so busy, we're always so busy. And I think that comes from, like, how do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? How do you balance being a mom and working and a husband, you know, and a wife and a friend and a, right? Like, we all have all these hats. Right. How do you balance all of that? And sometimes it's like, like you break. It's like a can, a can, a can, a can. Yeah. And you have to figure out how do you, how do you quiet that? Like, how do you, and I think we all need to stop criticizing ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And start loving ourselves. Mm. Right. Stop saying, oh my God, like I'm too fat. I'm not pretty enough. You know, I don't have this and so-and-so's got this perfect. And I think social media, I think social media to some degree paints these pictures of these perfect lives that these people have. Right. Yeah. 
when they merely are showing us the snapshots. It's much like reality TV. Most reality TV is not reality. Right. Because it is given to us to manipulate us to see it a certain way. Yep. Right? So that's what social media is. Is people give you what they want you to see their lives like. Yeah. Not. Most people aren't brave enough to say, this is my actual life. But this is the life I want you to see. And so I think so many people rate themselves against so many other people. Yeah. I think that's just like, it's rough. It's rough. It's so much. Yeah. And I think your generation, where I'm a lot older than you, are really inflicted. Like, that's what I see at work because I work with a lot of younger women. And that's what I see. It's like, I feel like you guys are more inflicted. I didn't have... I didn't have a social media to tell me if I was pretty or not. Hmm. You know, my life wasn't based on likes at your age. I didn't get criticized. Excuse me. I didn't say, oh, I'm doing this with my kid and then be criticized for doing it with my kid either. Right. Right. I right. Mean, yeah. I look at these things on social media where a mom makes a choice and then you get these people who 30% support and 80% or, you know, 70%. It's just negative garbage. Right. And it's like, that poor mom. Like, there's more to it than whatever that was. Like, yeah. stop. She's just doing the best she can do with what she's been given. Like, stop. Like, if we spend more time pumping each other up on social media, like, ah, would be a powerful thing. But we don't. I, I don't, I try not to buy too much into it or do too much other than with my work because I just can't, I, I just, I don't want to be beat down by people that don't know me and who don't matter in my life. Yeah. Like, pff, no. And you and I have had these discussions. Yes, we have. Where you've had some situations that you've been super psyched and then you've had some heavy naysayers. Yes. Right. And yeah. then and you thought they were people who were important to you. Yes. <laughs> not so much. eh? No, it turns out not so much. Right. Yeah. Hard lessons. Yes. Absolutely. But anyone who's out there and you've got negative people in your environment, like negative at you. Mm. Not so much. In, some people are lovely humans, but just live in a little weird space. <laughs> but they're negative to self, not the world. So difference. Does that make sense? Yes. Some people are hating on everything. Some people just hate on themselves. Yep. Not right either. But if there's people out there hating on you, get rid of them. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. They're just not. They don't love you if they're, if they can't see the positive in your situation. Yeah. I, yeah, I, and that's been a lesson that I've been learning more over the last few years, especially. I think that comes with wisdom, like, with time. Yeah. That comes with time. Yeah. That comes with time. And choosing to see the world certain ways. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's true. The older you get. Mm -hmm. And it depends on where you want to live. Like, wh what, like, I don't know. I like to live in gratitude. I like to live in positivity. I like to live in, and I'm not perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. But I do like to try and live a giving kind loving life full of gratitude yeah because I don't want to be I don't want my life to end today and think you know whatever my next 
whatever happens after I leave this existence, I don't want my last day for anyone to ever say, well, she was horrible or I never told her I loved her or I didn't hug her when I said goodbye or I, I don't want that. Like I want every time at the end of every day, I want to know I was the best person I can be and that if it's my last day, it was a good day. <laughs> Even shitty days can be good days. You know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. Uh, Zoe actually has like a little saying where I think what she's trying to do is express that, that. thought. And it's like a day's not ruined until it's over. <laughs> Which Which is kinda sorta. It's kinda not. sorta. But I think that but I think that is what she's trying to say when she right. says it. Is that make every day your best day? Yeah. Like right? it's, yeah. Because you can always even if your day goes whoop. You yeah. know, because I think, you know, I think we can, of course, you have someone says something to you and you dump out or you yeah. have a fender bender and you dump out or you're late to work and, you, you know, and you get into this and it's really easy to stay low. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's super easy to stay low. It's really easy to stay low. I think the natural state of humanity can be to stay low. Yeah. But you need to crawl back out of the pit and be like, nope, nope, I'm not doing that today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have my little like... <clears throat> And then you need to be like, okay, let's, let's be grateful. Like, let's take two seconds and be like, okay, the grand scheme of things, what am I grateful for? Mm. You know, what am I grateful for? I really try to impress upon my children. My oldest um, got into hairstyling and it didn't go the way that she was hoping. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the, so she was let go from a position mm-hmm. and she came home and told me, and I was like, you know what? I know it's awful. First of all, it's not about you, the person. It's about your work. Mm-hmm. Always separate your work from who you are because your work is not who you are. You are who you are. Your work is something you do. Two totally different things. Wow. Okay. Right? Yeah. Your work is not who you are. Your work is what you do. Who you are is someone entirely different. Always separate your work from who you are. And at the time that she got let go... A good friend of mine's daughter was in the hospital and they thought they were going to lose her. And I said that to mine. I was like, you know what, sweetie, I know this sucks. I know this is not where you thought you were going to be, but I'm not sitting beside your bed waiting for you to take your last breath. So really, have your little wallow. I gave her the day. (laughs) I literally was like, you can be sad and cry and yucky today, but then tomorrow I want you to get up and be like, okay. Let's put that behind us and let's move forward. And even if moving forward means, I don't even know what moving forward means. You know what I mean? Like, even if you get up and you're like, okay, I don't know what today's going to bring, but let's get up and see what today's going to bring. Right. You know, like you don't have to have a plan. You just have to leave that and live in the moment. Yeah. Like right back to that, right? Right Like let's live in the today and in the moment and in the now and, leave that behind mm-hmm. and and if you've wronged someone so you know if it is about you the person because you the person made a bad choice and maybe said something wrong then be strong enough to you know text that person email that person call that person and be like dude i'm sorry mm-hmm. that was really sucky of me and then let that go too you I know like yeah and i really try to impress upon my kids to don't don't get swallowed up by your failures mm-hmm. because really what is failure a failure is merely a learning tool yeah you know? I, yeah absolutely you know if you failed 
You've just learned something. Figure it. What'd you learn? What'd you learn? And then be like, okay. Like, that's my marriages, right? What did I learn? This is not where I saw myself. I thought I was going to be that person who was going to be married forever. <laughs> Marry that one person, I was going to be married forever. I think we all go into marriage like that, or I hope, I really hope that the world in general goes into marriage like that. Right. And it's not how my life clearly has turned out. But what have I learned? You know, I've, there's a ton of lessons that I've learned. And a lot of them are personal power. Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. A lot of them are, I don't need a man. I might want one. I might want a partner. I don't need one. I am self-sufficient. Right? What do I know? I'm never going to take someone being unkind to me or my children ever. I will never tolerate that ever again. Mm. You know? So there's like, you got to take that and be like, and how did that person make you stronger? How are that, how did that thing make you stronger? Or what would you never do again? Mm -hmm. You know, what lessons are you going to learn? And, and, and I think life... Um, have you ever watched any of Oprah's masterclass? I don't even know if she does it anymore. I don't think I have. No. So she did this series right after she kind of opened her own network and stuff called masterclass. And it was just really a lot like this only on film, really just quite candid conversation about where these people came from. And, but the start was, uh, your life is a class. Ooh. Yeah, your oh. life is always a class. Your life is a class, you know. You can either, you can, and learn, and learn, constantly learning. And I think learning is, on every level, is so super powerful. Mm -hmm. And so fun. I'm I, like, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, like, I'm learning more and more how much I appreciate learning. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love learning. The older I get, the more I'm like, I'm going to be that old person who's like graduates university or something at 95 or, <laughs> you know, like something like that. I had a client who was sitting in my chair and she was telling me how she's been retired. She's probably in her early seventies. And at the public library, you can take university classes and it costs you like diddly, like $135, like a semester. Whoa. But you have to be retired and it's, they, they sort of design it. So it could be, you know, one term or semester on politics. Okay. Say like yeah. American versus Canadian or something, but it's university level education. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't wait. I didn't even know stuff was out there like that. No, I didn't either. Right. So yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. like if you, and I think that that's going to help with mental health. Yeah, I think the yep. more that we keep this gray matter working mm -hmm. and learning, I think that helps long term. Yep, I agree. And I think it gives you something. So if you do have a partner and your partner passes, I think you need to have the something to do. Yeah. You know? Yep. And learning is just so, wow, it's just so exhilarating and so fun. And mm -hmm. I just love it. I love it. I just love it. I love it whether I'm learning new haircuts or I'm learning you know, extensions or I'm learning, you know, makeup or I'm learning whatever, whatever it is. Like, it's like, oh, this is great. I love it. Mm -hmm. And the older I get, the more I'm like, I love learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really funny. Hey, that is funny. That's so cool. So, um, we're going to have to wrap up. Um, but I want, but there is one question that I like to ask everybody, Everyone. which I think that you actually did a really good job answering already, but just make sure that there's nothing more that you want to add to it. Um, what does it look like to you to be men mentally healthy? I think mentally healthy, I think you just accept who you are. I think you accept who you are. Whether that's, whether that, I just think you accept who you are and you try to improve who you are. So whether it's 
learning, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's taking your meds and exercising, because I know that's was something huge that balanced you out, Yeah, you know, feeling the best you. Mm-hmm. And I think for me to be mentally well, I have allowed, I give myself permission, at least I try every week to give myself a day off. So I work three evenings a week and I'm out almost every day. Mm-hmm. And so I give myself permission for my mental well-being to be home for one solid day. I, whatever it is, like I give my, I will give myself permission probably once a month to literally take a whole day off, which means I will sit on the sofa with my tea and my dog and my cat and whoever is around me and do nothing Mm. because mentally, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah. And I think we as humanity don't give ourselves permission to stop. So for my mental health, mm-hmm. I need to stop. Yeah. I need to be around people that love me, people who I love. And I think if you need to, to if you need medication to keep yourself, then, then give yourself permission for that to be okay. Yeah. Because it's about your chemicals. It's not about you. It's about how your body was built and put together. But I think being mentally un- um, well, to be mentally well, I think you need to love yourself. In 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 your perfectly, you know, broken but beautiful self. You love yourself and do the best you can for yourself. I love that. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. It's always I, a blast to hang out with you, Ruthie. I, I know. <laughs> this is so nice to like. It is. Hang out in my closet. I was just going to say, <laughs> hang out in your closet and chat. <laughs> chat what we normally chat like, just, yeah, just in your in, my, in your world instead in of mine. World. Yeah, mm, right? right. And thank you everyone so much for listening. And I would love to hear any thoughts that you have on this episode. And if you have any questions or anything for either one of us, then please, you you can email me or you can contact me on on Instagram, that's what I, where I usually check. So I am at optimistically depressed. Did you have a handle that you wanted to share? Um, isn't that terrible? This is how tech, not techie I am. I do believe I'm at Angeline Francis. Like, I do think it is that easy. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. That's what happens when you're older. You're like, you're not techie. <laughs> and it's my work account. So it's like, it's all hair and stuff. Yep. So if you find me, that's what it is. But yes, I believe it's at Angeline, A-N-G-E-L-I-N-E, Francis. Yes. <laughs> I believe that is correct. <laughs> that's terrible. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you. Have a good afternoon, evening, morning, night. And remember, wherever you are, we're just sitting here loving you. Bye. Perfect.